Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Hey, Jack, I'm pretty excited this time. You weren't excited last time? No, I was. I just didn't let it show. Do you know what your wife feels like now? (laughs) (laughs) So that'll get edited out. No, it won't. Full rim shot and everything. (laughs) So you do know, we have a guest here, and we don't really look very professional with this this way. He's listened to the show. He knows what we do. Yeah, he knows us. Unfortunately. That is the case. <laughs> he did say that he uses the show to cure insomnia, though. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's a good and tagline. His wife sounds to be similar to ours. Yeah. She doesn't like listening to us either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it takes a certain amount of um, nerddom to listen to two guys talk about paint dry. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's yep. true. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're... You've heard his voice already. Yeah, his name is Joe Walker, no relation. Uh, he is the vice president of El Commoner. And he is also the president of SSPC. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. It's great to have you here today. It's great to be here. I really appreciate it. It's kind of strange to be on the podcast (laughs) instead of listening to the podcast. And I can't wait to play it for Sarah. So the most common thing is nobody ever wants to listen to their episode. So Really? Oh, yeah. No, everybody always says, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, your junior varsity, I don't think, has listened to it yet. Oh, JV, he's listened to it. Oh, has he? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's just not willing to admit it. He's trying to pretend that he doesn't hear that we're talking about him now. Yeah, it's all right. He hears me. He knows I'm talking about him. (laughs) (laughs) So, Joe, we brought you on because we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the advancements in the um, dry film thickness uh, measuring devices that have come across in the last couple of years. Okay, fair enough. There are quite a few of them. There are two advancements that are pretty noteworthy and have some pretty good third-party validation that I want to talk to you about today. One is a factory calibrated coating thickness gauge. Sure. And the other one is our new scanning technology that I know a lot of people have heard about. They've seen them in person at shows, but not everyone goes to shows. And they just hear That's about right. it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about that. What do you want to start with? And you tell me what you're interested in. Let's start with the factory calibrated instrument because uh, I know a little bit about the other one. So we'll talk more about that one. This one came up as a result of some work, you know, that I'm pretty involved with uh, the National Shipbuilding Research Program, the NSRP. One of the problems they have is that they don't get consistency from inspector to inspector and from craft worker to craft worker. A lot of times now that they've gone to single coat epoxy systems in a lot of their tank linings, say they have a minimum DFT of 20. Well, they get a third-party inspector to review the documents, and a reading of 19, 19.9 <laughs> will be a non-conformance, and it, and it requires all of this paperwork to adjudicate that data point right. in an AV inspection. So I was talking to the technical warrant holder at NAVCO5 saying, your specs are pretty simple. You require two to four mil surface profile. You require a minimum DFT in tank linings of 20, a maximum DFT of 30. Why don't we just calibrate a coating thickness gauge in the factory at a profile of two, three, and four mils at a maximum of 60 mils? And we're done. So all the user does is turn on the instrument, puts in the profile underneath the coating, boom, starts measuring. As you know, an inspector today calibrates an instrument 
and then uses it on the surface that he's that he's sure, measuring. Sure, right. Okay. And the problem is usually that there's not a blank space to calibrate precisely, on. Precisely, precisely. It's the standards say to use a workpiece. Yep. But what most people are doing, if they're honest with you, is they have a blasted piece in their office drawer. Sure. They calibrate to that, then they go out to the workpiece. What's the profile? I don't know. Well, and the profile, if it sits in their office drawer, isn't the same as when it went in that office drawer. Do the peaks change over time? Are you measuring on the same area? The big thing here is, is when you're looking at a 20 mil coating over a 4 mil surface profile, we're looking at a 20% variation in the DFT measurement. So what's the difference between 19.9 and 20 statistically? You as tech yeah, service zero. guys, yeah. nothing. It's inconsequential. Right. But in a Navy environment or for a Navy contractor, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars over the entire fleet and all the refit and all the contractors. DH equipment is gone. Sure. Application right. equipment is gone. Sure. And you get a 19.9 and they're going to, what are they going to tell you to do? Blast it to bear? And go over it. Well, sure. <laughs> and, and, and not to mention that the, the great confusion that comes with when you are measuring about whether or not you measure it over the peaks or not. It, right. it, it always amazes me how many people in the industry don't catch that. Right. Exactly. That's why in the calibration process, we always say take a minimum of three measurements because you're going to measure over a peak or over a valley and you're going to minimize them anyways. Right. And it would be a real drag to have to get rid of a whole coding system just because you didn't account for the... Uh, surface profile let's be honest yeah. they never do that's true okay right. it's right. the adjudication process that goes through it and it just wastes time yeah fleet readiness is the most important thing right now in the u.s navy sure readiness of the fleet and the least of their problems this is a tenth of a mil variation on a dft <laughs> gauge so what the pre-calibrated gauge does it allows the craft worker to put in what the surface profile is, because they do have the records for that for every sure, tank. Sure. Now, the dirty little secret is, what's the surface profile at eye level for the blaster, as opposed to when he's blasting in a downward motion or at an upward angle? No, they do it absolutely perfectly <laughs> in uniform over the entire yeah, surface. Yeah, that's exactly what I've seen, too. Perfection. <laughs> so my point is, is that the number one problem that I've seen, I've been in the business just under 25 years. The number one problem I see in the field is miscalibrated DFT gauges. The number one problem. It's the number one thing we train people on when we're in the field yeah. is how to calibrate your DFT gauge. Why not give the craft worker or the inspector a factory calibrated instrument to carbon steel, okay? It's yeah. not going to go for specialty alloys and complex right. geometries. It's the 80-20 rule. Exactly. 80% of their job is going to be that specific Exactly. Part. And if they don't know if the profile is 2, 3, or 4 mils, set it at 3 and right. start reading DFTs. That's... That was the impetus for that. We've been really successful with it. The other interesting thing about this is we went to the technical warrant holder and to the CIRAC committee where the NAVC00932 standard is made, and it's been agreed that now contractors, if they have a 19.9, they don't write 19.9 in their appendix. They write 20. They round up or down to the nearest half mil. It's now approved in the 00932, and... Craft workers, inspectors, contractors need to know about that change if they're working in a USN environment. Nice to see some common sense involved with the government. All we had to do was <laughs> present the data. That's the thing with all of these organizations. Everyone I go to, whether it's NAVCO5P or, or the, at their CIRAC committee meetings or the NSRP, all of these things are, if you give them the data, no matter what it is, it drives change in the document and in the contract. Well, that's the name of the game in 2020. Data, data, 
data. It's the name of the game in 2020 and forever. Yeah. Okay. Since 1984, we've had statistical process control with digitized instruments. Unfortunately, this market is just catching up with the manufacturing markets that have been doing statistical process control since the beginning of time. Well, sure. So now the industrial protective coatings contractors are realizing that efficiency, document retention, and digital documentation is the way of the future. They can reduce their cost of data collection by 86%. Okay, so you mentioned an interesting topic there, efficiency. Personally, I think one of the most biggest improvements in efficiency in dry film thickness reading is one of your new products on the market. Scanning technology. Yes, it is. That was also, believe it or not, result of the National Shipbuilding Research Program. I I believe it. They have a lot of square feet to measure. They have a lot of square feet to measure, but you got to remember that this is a consortium of U.S. shipyards. It's all funded by U.S. shipyards and funded by the U.S. DOD, okay? So what they do is they have a pile of money, and every year the NSRP says, these, these are the projects that we think can drive efficiency in the shipbuilding industry. One of them was a project that Arsenio Chiaro, Arsenio Chiaro who uh, was then running the NSRP, was the chair of NSRP, he felt that they needed to reduce inspection costs using the latest in digital technology. And what that was, was scanning technology and also pre-calibrated in the factory coating thickness technology, but also digital document retention and creation. And that's very important because anybody knows that when you take DFT's measurements the old way and you have to write them by hand, right. it, it doesn't just double the time. Let's be real. Yeah, no, it exponentially increases the time. That's the photograph. If you look at uh, the Inspection IQ document that went out with the, uh, I believe it was the January edition of JPCL, shows a picture of me holding up the documentation for one single ballast tank just for DFT readings. It's, a th- it's two three-ring binders, each of them 12 inches thick. <laughs> just DFT yeah. readings. And just I'm sure DFT somebody readings. actually read all those huh well that's the problem somebody actually does read all those and what they're looking oh, yeah, for yeah that's right it is the government is, right. they'll put somebody on that and it becomes to the point where is the quality program getting the paperwork right or getting the coding system right right i think that proves it's getting the paper right if you anybody honestly says well, listen our most important thing is to get the qa data sheets correct we have to have our appendices correct or it's a big nightmare and a big headache And then it goes into adjudication. Digital documentation saves all of that because it just highlights the nonconformances and allows you to explain how they were adjudicated. You don't get that big tie-up because you didn't initial next to each of your three measurements in PA2. So let me tell you about the NSRP project and what happened. Are you up for that? Yep. Okay, what we did is we took the legacy system from four shipyards, okay? Whatever their legacy system was, however they filled out their 009932 appendices, that's what we used as a time comparison. 99.9% of them used SSPC PA2, which is three readings mm-hmm. to make one measurement, five measurements for an area. Correct? That's right. Absolutely. Okay. You got it right. So what Most we, people don't. <laughs> but, you're the, but you're the pres, El Presidente. El Presidente. Right. Now you better I'm ab- get it right. I'm about to say some things about SSPC PA2 that might not be popular. However, I have the data to back it up. All and right. as a result, Appendix 10 was just put into PA2. Yes, it was. So to give SSPC a shout out, 
they adjusted to the new technology and they've accounted for it. They didn't put it in the body of the document because they didn't want to mandate it. But who would want to mandate an 86% increase in productivity <laughs> and oh, a 90% increase in the standard of deviation? Well, sure. Right. Right. Who'd want to mandate that? That's silly. I mean, we don't need accuracy. <laughs> right. What we found in the NSRP study was not only was the digital technology as or more accurate than the PA2 using the scanning method, it was 86% faster. We did that in four different shipyards. That was uh, Hunting and Ingalls Newport News. We did uh, BAE in Jacksonville. Um, I'm trying to think of who, uh, NASCO Earl Industries we did. And uh, NAVC 005 was the uh, sponsor of this program. So it was really great to have Southeast Shipyards, Hunting and Ingalls, NASCO Earl. Uh, be a part of this project. So we documented a variety of tanks. We compared the legacy measurements for time and efficiency against scanning and pre-calibrated. And what we found was there was no loss of accuracy. In fact, with scanning technology, there was a measured increase in accuracy. How do we do that? Well, when we made the presentation to the people at NSRP at the conclusion of the project, a lot of people questioned the results, the accuracy of the results. It just didn't make sense. So what was done is NAVC-05 commissioned the Naval Research Laboratory to make laboratory panels. And this is what they did. Do you see the heat map on the laboratory panels where they measured every area on here? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So they had a real high, high accurate heat map as to the DFT on laboratory panels. And what they did is they measured each using scanning technology and PA2. But they took it a step further. They wanted to determine at how, what point, how many measurements did you have diminishing returns on that investment? Sure. So they did scans with 12 measurements per scan, 24 measurements per scan, 36 measurements per scan. And what you can see in this data, in these data that are presented here, you can see that the distribution between PA2 is 30% on the up, 30% on the bottom. And look at the distributions for scanning technology here right in line with the exact measurements on the laboratory panels. What they've done in Appendix 10 is they've now asked for people, do you see these little snake lines area? We're still doing one measurement per scan, but that scan is set up in batch files of 12 measurements. So what we're seeing here with this plus or minus 30% increase in accuracy using scanning mm -hmm. technology, areas that normally would not conform are conforming. And that's something to be said for that, because as, as a former applicator myself, I, I can tell you that sometimes you take a few extra DFTs to get the ones you need. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and with scanning, what I, what I have found, so we, you know, in full, full honesty and awareness and um, what's the word I'm looking for? But anyway. Full disclosure. disclosure. There's the word I'm looking for. Uh, we have several of the scanning technology gauges. What has been your experience? I'm dying to know. I love it. Yeah. I, I, um, I'll be honest, I put it through the ringer. I, I took measurements on, the, on our panels, and then I went and got the regular one. And I, and I played with the scanning technology. And what I found is that you, exactly what you said was true, that because there's more measurements, because it's taking significantly more measurements, that it does bring the panel into conformance more often than not. You don't have the outliers measuring over peaks and measuring over valleys and not being able to tell if you're doing so. Correct. correct. Yep. So if you're measuring over a peak, you might find yourself not in conformance. That's correct. 
and the measurement standards, we want to know the average DFT or the NDFT. And, Correct. Uh, I don't know. It's It's been proven out. I've been thrilled with it. The interesting thing about this is look at the distribution in your measurements. You're, I mean, it's a perfect bell curve. Uh, here, Here's a very interesting, I'll, uh, this is on a 5 mil DFT panel. Look at the margin of error using PA2. We're looking at margin of error up to six mils on a, on a five mil panel, whereas the scanning, the scanning technology, we're looking at microns. Which is very important, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, here's, a, here's a chart of distribution patterns. You can see that PA2 has all of these outliers, okay? So if you measure in the wrong area, you could be out by five mils. The, the total coding could conform, but your measurement method is making it non-conforming. With scanning technology, we tighten up those outliers and we get a true representation of the coding surface. Well, so you get a better picture, right? right? You're, you're, and, and, you know, for those of you listening, you hear us talking about all these extra measurements, but here's, here's the beauty of the scanning technology is you do it in a minuscule amount of time in comparison to. 86% you know, faster with an increase of accuracy. And, you know, I told you about a former life where I had where we, I, I worked our, in our ad applications lab for Carboline, and when we did testing panels, I would have to take three measurements per side. You know, it wasn't really big enough to do a full PA2, but it was take that measurement, write it down, take that measurement, write it down, take that measurement, write it down. Well, with Flip electronic it, and, days, and, 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 with electronic do instruments, those days are history. And you would... Yeah. But they're not. You think. <laughs> it depends on the user. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> so, but then I played with this and I thought about all the hours and minutes that I lost in my life in the past that could have been, I mean, it's literally a swipe across the surface and you have in that nanosecond, I mean, how many measurements per second does the, the gauge take? It takes up to four. Yeah. So yeah. in one second... You have your four. You can, in in you two can, seconds, you're already uh, outdoing PA2 by almost double. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's funny. It took a while for it to really take effect here. The most noticeable thing that I've noticed is that the people in the shipyards that did the initial testing, what I found was is they were no longer auditing to the paperwork. They were actually looking at the structure that they had coded. They were actually inspecting. <laughs> and now the interesting... The, the Whoa. Int yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing that the uh, Naval Research Laboratory and the guys at Vision Point Systems did on this is, you know, scanning technology, if you take that probe tip, they're very, they're very fragile flowers. These are very sophisticated measuring instruments. Those probe tips wear over time. And as the shape of the probe chip changes, the signal sent by the probe changes. That's why calibration is recommended to be verified before every work shift. Because over time, the shape of your probe tip changes. With scanning technology, we use a cap that covers that probe tip. Yep. Terrible business idea because our probe sales went down. <laughs> <laughs> but what we found was is that just remember when you used to calibrate your DFT gauge over a tacky surface or go to measure over a tacky surface, you'd put a shim down and subtract yeah, the yeah. thickness of the shim because yep. you didn't want to get paint on your probe tip, right? Right. Well, not just that. You could leave a dimple and get an inaccurate measurement, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. So I went to our technical guys and said, why can't I do that with a cap? 
and just subtract the thickness of the cap and make the cap a consumable. And they told us it can't be done. Well, in about three months, they did it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So they what, need to hedge their bets better. So Because yeah. so the what, next time they say it can't be done, you're not going to believe them, are you? <laughs> uh, you know what? But that's how <laughs> things happen. We're in the field a lot, so we get ideas. Our technical guys, they're in the lab a lot. They rely on our input from the field. Sure. And when they have new technology that we haven't thought up, the first thing they do is give it to us and say, try in the field, try and break it. See if it works. Verify and validate. So it's a pretty good process that we have. Sure. I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. What I like most about these caps is that they're cheap. Okay. So when a cap wears, and it depends, how, how often does a cap wear? Well, it depends. Vision Point did a thing on surface roughness, depends on everything. So if sure. you take one of your caps and you drag it over a blasted steel panel, it's probably only going to last you two shifts. Sure. But if you go over a coated surface, it's going to last close to 3 million readings, depending on the smoothness of the protective coatings. You mean if you rub something over something like sandpaper, it, it wears it down? It wears it a little bit more than <laughs> if you rub it over a baby's bottom. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So did you hear that, Billum? We need to make sure that you have new tip covers for your probes. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I just really like it that, I mean, yeah. Uh, probe sales go down, but customer loyalty goes up. That's it's more important. It's been a tremendous success for us. Been a tremendous success. And now it's being in integrated with products like TrueQC and other paperless systems. It works with our Alcomaster system. All of these things can be captured now on your cell phone or on an iPad, in the field, yep. in the tank. And now multiple people can watch the inspection of a job as it's happening. And what we're seeing is, is when the DH equipment is still in a tank, or on a bridge, or in a contained environment, when the paint application equipment is still there. We're seeing that shift managers are going over the coating with their DFT scanning probe and telling the guys where they're light here, where they're not light, while the overcoat window is still open. As you know, before, we would always find that the inspector wouldn't come out and inspect until the tank was cleared. Well, sure. Right. Now, now it's, it's totally changed. We're actually doing QA and QC. Imagine that. And, wow. and getting it done in a great timing when, when the best conditions are still available. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Thank you very much, Joe, for joining us on the show. It was very informative. If you are successful in getting Sarah to listen to this, I think she should appreciate your, your silky radio voice that you've had going on here. You're uh, probably yes. the, the deepest, most radio voice we've ever had on the show. That's my auctioneer voice. There you go. There you go. So it should work for you. Yeah, I hope so. Well, it's worked so far. <laughs> she has right. bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I can't thank you enough. I love the podcast, and I'm going to listen to this one. I'm not shy. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Thanks for us, coming Joe. on. All right. Thanks for having me. And so, for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast... I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carbon?